I found in ufology quite early on that no one was touching or very few people were touching human mutilations. Welcome back. I'm here with Matt Hurley, who's going to tell us a little bit about the dark side of the phenomena based on extension research that he's done over the years. Matt, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to meet you as well. Okay, so let's just start out with your background in this topic. Like, how did you get involved in something so interesting, so weird, and so dark? So when I was 18, I read Above Top Secret by Timothy Good, and I read it from cover to cover in a couple of days. And that just got me really hooked into the subject. And I started going to conferences, meeting other people with a similar interest. I started reading books on reincarnation and spiritualism, other paranormal phenomena. And then in the late 90s, I became interested in UFOs depicted in ancient art. And I had a book published in 2003 called The Alien Chronicles. That was forwarded by Whitley Strieber. Um, then a few years later... Yeah. Real quick question about that. The Alien yeah. Chronicles. What was the what was the book about high level and is it still available? People can get it. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon. So basically it was quite picture heavy. And I was looking at historical cases of UFOs where there are actual images drawn and also looking at a number of religious artworks which appeared to have objects in them. And I also looked at prehistory, petroglyphs, that sort of thing. Some of the weird looking humanoid figures you see on carved into ancient rocks. So it was kind of a pictorial history of what I thought was possible alien UFO evidence throughout history. And there were some sort of textual accounts as well of ancient sightings. Okay, uh, we'll include yeah. the link below so that people can pick that up. But all right, so you published this book, Alien Chronicles, and, and then what? And then I, I kind of hit a wall with the subject. I couldn't find the answers I was looking for, like why the visitors coming here, what are they doing? I'd read all the books, the most of the mainstream books, and I just couldn't find the answers, and I kind of lost interest in the subject. Mm -hmm. It was only about 2018 when I started reading about TTSA in the national press that got me back into the subject. Something was pulling me back into it. And a couple of years ago, someone sent me a link to a website called The Allies of Humanity, so I, t I took a look at it and I thought, oh, no, it's channel information because I looked at channel in the early 90s and I didn't really get a good impression of it. But I thought, I'll give it a read, see what it's like. And this sort of channel was quite different to the, what I'd seen before. It was quite dark and it was talking about people being taken against their will, people going missing, animal mutilations, human mutilations. And all of a sudden, like a eureka moment, I thought, wow, this material appears to be mirroring what I'm seeing within the phenomenon that a lot of other channels seem to circumvent. It talks about chakras being activated in ascension and you're going to enter the fourth dimension, not all this sort of fluffy, wonderful stuff that's going to happen. But this channel was very different to what I'd read before. So that resonated with me. And then I felt inspired to create my website. I thought I'd give it a good hook, bad aliens. And then I thought I'd just kind of break the subject down into its different areas, abductions, animal mutilations, human mutilations, missing people, et cetera, et cetera, and just provide nuggets of information, evidence under each heading. And then in the conclusion, give reference to the Allies of Humanity and what they say about the phenomenon. Okay, well, let's talk through some of this stuff because it's not something that you hear most people discussing the phenomena 
talk about. So if you look at prominent defense officials like Chris Mellon, or you look at certain journalists who are, you know, tied to, to the New York Times, like Leslie Keene, for instance, she doesn't work for the New York Times, but she's written articles for. There seems to be this focus by, let's just call them people, quote unquote, in the know on the craft only. But anytime somebody mentions biologics, non-human bodies, things like that, people in the know get really skittish. Like they just don't want to talk about it. It's really weird. It's almost as if they don't think humanity can handle it yet. But alternatively, there could be something else. So there's been reports about finding biologics, but those were human body parts that were on board. People are really reluctant to talk about. So let's just kind of go through the way you've organized it on your site from kind of least creepy to stuff that's disturbing, frankly, at, you know, toward the yeah. end. So I think you talked about abductions and just to frame it, a lot of people who have abductions kind of couch it in this Munchausen's by proxy sort of light. Mm. Like first it's horrifying. They're sticking instruments in me. And then several years later, I'm so glad that they did this. It really changed my life, <laughs> which could be true, right? I don't want to discount that. But it also has this Munchausen's by proxy sort of or Svengalian sort of feel to it, where I learned to love my captors. And But at the end of the day, if a human did that to another human, it would be kidnapping and it would be a crime. So let's yeah, start with, a, with abduction. Yeah. yeah, people seem to expect dispensations to aliens doing things, but if humans do it, it's a different. Whereas I tend to apply the same rule to both personally. So yeah, with abductions, I suppose abduction researchers mirror a lot of the public, and that you've got abduction researchers that think it's a benevolent thing, and then you've got researchers that I've got on my website that think it's a, a negative thing. My particular mm -hmm. favourite researcher is Carla Turner, who's no longer with us. I think she was able to drill down quite quickly into the phenomenon and see through the ETBS, a lot of the propaganda they were given to abductees. And ultimately, it's people are being violated. They're taken against their will. You mentioned this fact where people initially dislike what's going on, but eventually they come round to it. We can't rule out whether the aliens themselves are having some sort of persuasion in the mental environment of the individual. So that could be going on. So although the abductee reports that it's a positive event, there could be some mental influence going on in the background on behalf of the aliens to do that. So you've got abductions. I, I list several prominent researchers, including David Jacobs. Um, Jacobs and Hopkins and Clara all talk about the hybrid program that I think is is actually going on. It's a long-term program which has gone on for several decades. Reproductive material is taken from men and women, and it's been merged with their own particular race to create a hybrid species that looks like us, but it's slightly linked to them. And the idea is that some people theorise that these hybrids will be put into positions of influence so the aliens can sit behind the scenes and have a sort of a conduit on the ground in order to influence humanity in, in what ways they want. So that, that's touching more on the agenda, if you like. But yeah, abductions is the first section on my website. I talk extensively about implants as well. The, Dr. Roger Leary is no longer with us. Removed about 18 implants over a period of years. One of the interesting things I find about implants is none of them look exactly the same. Some looks like shards of glass, others seem to have like coils of wire. I've always found that quite fascinating with them. They exhibit a lot of odd properties. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so you just touched on two interesting things. So 
there is an abductee. His name is Terry Lovelace, the attorney. Terry Lovelace. Yes. Terry Lovelace, great guy. Yeah. He has both. So he has something that looks like a wire, mm. and then he has something that looks like a floral pattern. Yeah, like a flower. Yeah. And what my viewpoint is, having seen, or, uh, well, I, I think he was subsequently replaced, like they replaced it with like two things that look like a wire. Prior to that, he had something that looked like a microchip that was placed in there probably circa late 1970s. So my personal viewpoint is that the U.S. Air Force or somebody related to the intelligence community put the first one in there to monitor him because they knew he was being taken. And then the floral pattern, which is effectively made out of his own or something that is very close to his own bone tissue, was placed by something non-human. So in those instances, I think there's intelligence agencies, governments are also monitoring these people who are being abducted. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's yeah. just a theory. It's just a theory. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things we have to be wary of when abductees report their accounts, they might say, I saw loads of men in camouflage suits. We don't know, again, if the aliens are projecting an image at their own ends. It's not us doing it. It's humans doing it. So then they'll go on right. podcasts and say, it's not aliens. It's humans that are doing it. It's all these secret government groups around the world. So I'm always wary when people say, I saw humans on board, you know, and you're in camouflage gear. Because if, if you're an alien species coming here, you don't want to be identified. You don't want people to know what you're doing. You can use right. trickery like that to create false narratives to suit your own end. Yeah, and we're not saying it wasn't that, but it very mm. well could be mm. some sort of mental projection. In fact, some people in the intelligence community said that these abductions aren't happening at all, but they're not saying that nothing is happening. So in other words, it's perfectly to your point that if they can put things in your head, they could put this abduction in your head and it might be that they abduct some aspect of you that's non-physical, right? Mm, and it feels yeah. very physical. I'm not again, I'm not saying I'm just throwing different potentialities or possibilities into the in their conversation. I don't know what to believe because I don't have any direct experience. Yeah. Regardless, it feels very real to these people, whatever that means. I think the implants give it a tangibility, a physical side, rather than it being a purely psychological, you're making it all up sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and interesting as well, a number of abductees who've got implants don't want them removed. They seem to have this sort of inner drive not to have them removed from their body. Again, is it the aliens behind the scenes? You need to keep it in, you need to keep it in. If I had some foreign object in my body, I'd want it removed personally. But again, you know, I don't know what sort of levels of persuasion these entities have over their subjects. So what else do you have to say about abductions in terms of We'll just Why go back to implants. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we'll just go back to the implants briefly. What What concerns me, there doesn't seem to be anyone now who's removing implants after Do Dr. Roger Lear died. I don't know if anyone's taken over the, the mantle of doing that, because I think it was a very powerful piece of research that backs up abductions. So that's one point I'd want to make. Well, so, so why are abductions occurring? So basically what seems to be happening is, as I touched on earlier, reproductive material is being taken from individuals and there's a hybrid program underway where they're mixing our DNA with their own DNA. And eventually the idea is you'll have human looking forms who look exactly like us, but are psychically linked to the aliens and they'll be put into positions of influence within society. And then the aliens behind the scenes can, can control the planet. That's how you can take over a planet without firing a gun. 
you just have a long-term program behind the scenes of doing DNA modifications and hybrids and then inserting those people into certain positions in society. So I think that's what's been going on. That's the ultimate program. These aliens coming here want the resources of this planet. They see it as a, a candy store full of candy, humans, animals, water, rare metals, etc., etc., and they want all these goods. That's ultimately why abductions are occurring and the other phenomenon as well, like mutilations. Do you think there's any side of this phenomenon where there are positive influences? In other words, is there something out there protecting us or is it that they're all trying to get this and the only thing protecting us is they're fighting each other to get here? I think there are good aliens out there, but I think they're watching from afar. The Alice of Humanity that I talk about in my conclusion are what I would consider good aliens. But what they say basically is we, we've got to become aware ourselves of what's going on and sort our own problems out. If you had some race coming here with its technology and all its wisdom, it might dilute our own culture. And over time, we would lose our identity and some people might acquiesce and think, well, I, I don't want to work. I want these aliens to solve all our problems. We wouldn't develop on a sort of a, a, li a linear sort of path. All of a sudden, we become heavily diluted. Some people might want to worship them as gods, for example. Some people might think they're the devil. So I think it would cause more problems. I think long term, there will be some form of contact with friendly aliens, but I think we might be a few hundred years away from it yet. I think we've got to become aware of what aliens are here, deal with them, and then eventually we may have some positive contacts in the future. But I don't think that that's around the corner. What these good aliens say is basically the way we get rid of these visitors on our planet isn't through technology. It's from becoming aware. And the idea is you'll have this massive group thought form because they talk about the power of the mental environment. And if you've got a massive group mind of people that become aware of what these beings are up to, it will create such a massive power within the mental environment that these aliens, they'd lose their persuasive abilities they've currently got. At the moment, they're carrying on unhindered. So eventually, they'd have to pack up their bags and go. So they will be defeated through people being aware, a critical amount of humanity being aware of them. That, that's what will ultimately lead to them leaving our planet, rather than it being through technology. Now, in your view, why isn't the general populace aware of their presence? I mean, certainly they're hiding it. That's certainly part of it. But what about the U.S. intelligence community or the British intelligence community? Any like governments of the world, why aren't they letting people know? Because it's obvious they're aware of something, right? I can't well, it, it might be they're aware of a lot of what we're talking about. And I suppose because it's not good news, they might think the public might panic. The public might be angry because they've been lied to for 70 years. The public might panic due to the fact there's just aliens here anyway, whether they're good or bad. But I think the governments and the intelligence community have got themselves into a bit of a corner now where there's this impetus and momentum. Like you've got Grush coming forward. There's other whistleblowers. I think they're running out of options now, the authorities that have been covering this up for many decades. But I think because there's been such a cover-up for a long period of time, I think it's helped the aliens. That, that there's no focus on them. They, they can carry on unhindered. They've got these bases underground and undersea. God knows what they're doing down there with those body parts and animal body parts. But there hasn't been this big spotlight. There hasn't been several billion people aware of what they're doing or aware of their presence. So they've been able to carry on unhindered. So in a way... I think the governments of this world have, in the way, have sort of aided the aliens by maintaining the cover-up. Yeah, look, I think they have this year to disclose that there's something out there. After yeah. that, no mercy. Like, yeah. the people who murdered scientists to keep secrets and 
murdered people to stay quiet or harassed people or did after this year, no mercy, no yeah. mercy. And that's kind of my view. All right. So you have the abduction phenomena. There's also the cattle mutilation or just animal mutilations in general. Let's yeah. kind of walk through this a little bit systematically. Yeah. So we hear the term cattle mutilations quite a lot, but really it's animal mutilations. I think it's just that cattle are the most mutilated animal in this particular area of the topic. Typically, eyes are removed, jaws stripped. There's often cookie cutter holes around parts of the body where the insides are sucked out. There's cases in the UK, for example, where very small animals like mice and rats have been found. They, they just have the hole in the head. They don't have any other marks on their bodies. But generally, you tend to get eyes missing, jaw strip, holes on the body, and the innards are removed. Been going on since at least the 60s with, I think, with Snippy the Horse was the first official case of mutilation. But, you know, who knows how many decades before it's been going on. Same with abductions as well. We don't really know when the abduction started. But, yeah, animals are found. They're, they're found with these injuries. There's, there's normally no blood. That's another anomaly. You often find there's no predation. Predators won't go near the carcass as well. So there's you know, elements of high strangeness associated with these mutilations. But I just read recently, actually, I think it was in Peru, 30 sheep were found with no eyes and a hole in their head. So, again, sounds like classic mutilation type injuries. And, you know, you get the skeptics saying it's predators or it's satanic cults. But it's been happening on such a wide scale for so long. And there's often an element of sophistication to how these cuts precision. are made. Yes, yeah, mm. precision, some sort of laser or some very sharp instrument. There was a load of seals that were found off the east coast of England in the 1990s, I believe, and they were all decapitated, and then they were all exactly the same point on the vertebrae where the separation took place. So again, there's, there's this sort of element of uh, precision to uh, what's going on. So it occurs with sea animals as well as land animals. So two things. They're the body parts that are taken, and again, I don't know the answer to this, and you might not know the answer to this, but... There's a theory that a lot of these, at least in the United States, take place downwind from nuclear facilities. Mm. So the question is, is the body parts that are taken, are they typically the most sensitive to radiation detection? I'm not sure really about that theory because I, I think it's all sorts of animals and they're found in all sorts of locations. I mean, if there are a lot of nuclear facilities in the US, there's probably a high chance that a mutilation is going to occur near one. It's like if there's a UFO site near a military establishment, if there are a lot of military bases in the US, then you're always going to get a UFO site near some military base. So I don't really subscribe to that theory due to the fact it's all over the world and it's all sorts of animals. But I personally think that these products are used as a resource, it might be for their own sustenance or it could be they're used in experiments or to create sort of new weird animals or just research and development, really, with biological resources on our planet. There's often accounts of like strange cryptids being seen. Are they possibly examples of some of their experimentation that's going on? We tend to think of their technology in terms of getting from A to B, but there's also, you know, what's their level of medical technology as well? If that matches their propulsion abilities, then who knows what they can come up with? with well, I mean, the, the resources. with CRISPR, we now have the technology to design a genetically targeted bioweapon so if you wanted to create a bioweapon that would target han chinese or if you mm. wanted a bioweapon that would target everybody but han chinese 
there's a specific genetic sequence based on phenotype in the skin that you can target as an example. So we're getting incredibly sophisticated in that. So it's not a stretch that somebody that might be thousands of years ahead, if not millions of years ahead, can easily do something like that. And they don't get caught in the act either. That's the other thing. They can mutilate 30 sheep in one field and no one catches them. So again, that for me, that lessens the chance of it being a, a sort of predator or a secret human group doing it. No, especially if, again, if something is a little bit more advanced, something that can traverse the stars, as an example, would have to be able to use or manipulate gravity waves. And if you're manipulating gravity waves, you're manipulating time. It's just basic relativity, which would make sense, right? So if you're bending space-time and kind of using any gravity to hover over a field, you know, the, the time that you're on that craft is probably far longer than the time on the outside of that craft. Mm -hmm. So to an observer, you would barely you would barely register. Just the it's interesting. Yeah. 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 It's interesting how they dump the bodies. People say, why do they dump the bodies back on the ground? Maybe it's to see how we react. They might be observing our psychology. You know, can can we think outside the box? Can we think abstractly? What theories can the humans come up with as to why it's going on? Often think that might be the case, like with the human stuff as well. Leave the body there. Let's let's see how their minds work, or just to intimidate people. Yeah, yeah. This is a demonstration of our power. Yeah. Do you have a sense for what the relative frequency of these things are? So, first of all, is it been relatively constant over time? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? And are there particular periods when the, these mutilations I, I, tend to happen? I don't have a strong instinct for that, but I think it's been fairly constant every year, really. Around the world, there's always reports. I think the seal phenomenon we had in the UK in the 90s, I'm not aware of any cases in previous decades. There could have been a bit of a trend there. But, yeah, I think it's been a constant phenomenon for many decades. And like I say, it's not just cattle. I heard of one case, a researcher, Tony Dolly, is no longer with us. He was told of a case where a guy was driving along a car on a road in England and this his deer dropped out of the sky and landed in front of his car. You know, that, that could be a post-mutilation uh, event. But yeah, it just dropped in front of him. Wow. Yeah, Unfortunately, he didn't have a dash cam. <laughs> he didn't have a what? A dash cam. You know, the cameras <laughs> that can record a bit, few decades away. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing, too there should be more examples. Even if you looked at the numbers, there would likely be more examples or more yeah. apparent examples because people have cameras nowadays. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that's the case. So I think the phenomenon is, is very good at being aware of the recording apparatus people have got. And it, there seems to be countless stories whereby people's cameras will fail or there'll be some issue with CCTV. They seem to be very good. They've got some sort of gadgets where they can detect people's recording apparatus and, you know, make it go out of action and the person comes away with nothing or something really fuzzy. You know, these phone cameras now, they're, they're pr pretty good quality, so you would expect the standard of footage to be better. Yeah, or there's also mental manipulation. People often yeah. say, I saw this thing, but, but I never yeah. once did, did I think of picking up my camera. Like, there are photographers yeah. who, have, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, did not, <laughs> I did not feel the urge to use my camera mm. to capture it. Yeah. So why else do you think they would do this? Why do I think animals are being mutilated? Or why yeah. do I think 
I think it's probably several reasons. Some could be to create medicines. I, th I think they're physical beings. I don't think they're interdimensional or anything nebulous like that. All physical beings need a consumer survival and security. So it might be there's, there's some elements within these animals that they need or they, they like to experiment on. Maybe they see our planet as a massive zoo and we've got more variety than what they have back home. So it stimulates them more to do certain things here than they would back in their own environment. Okay. And then are there any like traces of any strange elements or radiation, yeah. things like that associated with these mutilations? I think there's some cases where under UV light, there's some sort of markings on the carcasses, but I'm not sure if that's in every case or just in certain ones. But I'm not aware of any strange substances. Okay. If anything, there's a lack of any sort of liquid substance or chemicals. It's just the carcass and the injuries and that's it. All right. So you have abductions, you have animal mutilations. What else you got? Well, I suppose we'll have to touch on human mutilations as we're on the mutilation subject. I found in ufology quite early on that no one was touching or very few people were touching human mutilations. Tony Dodd, who I mentioned earlier, had a Brazilian case published in his book. It was the first time I'd, I'd ever seen a human mutilation photos in, in a book. That was in 1999. So, yeah, this particular subject seems to be the elephant in the room in ufology, and uh, a lot of people don't want to touch it. I can understand why, though, for several reasons, because you're showing bodies that someone's husband or wife or child, that there's the sensitivity aspect to it, and obviously it's quite horrific as well. I think it's one of those things in ufology where people have their own comfort zone. So some people are comfortable with the idea that abductions occur, but they're not comfortable with mutilations. Some people are comfortable with animal mutilations, but they're not comfortable with human mutilations. But I think because the fact that the injuries are very similar to what you get with the animal mutilations, I think the same intelligence is behind both phenomenon. And I think those are alien. So I've given a number of examples on my website I start with Sergeant Levette in the late 1950s, where he was taken up by this set of tentacles, I believe, and then his body was found mutilated some time later. Where did, where did that happen? White Sands base. It was oh, in 1958. Wow. Yeah, his colleague heard some screams, and he looked and he saw saw him being taken up by this like, set of tentacles into a craft, and then some time later, his body was found with the classic mutilation injuries. There's a couple of cases from Vietnam. There's the one where allegedly, I think Bill English talks about this, of a, a B-52 that was found in a clearing in Vietnam and all mm -hmm. the crew were strapped into their seats still, but they had the mutilation injuries upon them. And there's another one from Vietnam as well, where a group of soldiers came into a clearing and they saw a bunch of like grey entities taking human body parts onto a craft in containers and there was some sort of firefight ensued. With some of these, though, you've got to be careful because there's not a massive amount of, of evidence. It might be right. one story written by Leonard Stringfield 40 years ago. Do you know what I mean? But well, I, that, I put them there because they're part of the law of, of human mutilations. The second Vietnam case where these yeah. body parts of the greys were loading on, were they just removing them from bodies after a battle or were they... I'm not sure. Clear? I can't remember. Logically, you think it would be uh, victims from the war, but I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. But that was in uh, Project Grudge. I think it was report number 30 that was withheld from the public. There's this uh, story of this extra appendix to Project Grudge, and this particular story was mentioned uh, within that document. But I, d I don't know how true it is, but I've just put it in there as part of the history of the law of a few mutilations as being one of the earlier cases. 
And then obviously there's a big skew of South American cases. Um, there, that's when a lot of the, the photographs come in. Uh, yeah, I've noticed um, that the lore about ETs or non-human intelligence, whatever you want to call them, in the U.S., you don't really hear a lot about these mutilations or anything about kind of violent or malevolent non-human intelligences. Whereas in South America, it's much more prevalent in the story. I think the past might be more open, or, or maybe the intelligence services don't have a strong grip over the press, maybe like they do in the US. So it's more difficult to hush things up. Uh, I, I love how I love how we can just say that because yeah. it's like there's it's not even there's yeah. not even a pretense anymore that it's it's. I mean, I'm I'm sure there have been cases in the US over the decades, but you know they're just yeah. just getting covered up or. Uh, maybe they innocently thought it was some some form of predation by vultures or whatever, you know, but I'm sure it's worldwide, like with the animal mutilations. I mentioned some in the UK as well. Back in the 1980s, a series of bodies were found in a, a field in Dolby Forest over a period of weeks, and none of the people that were found were from that area. They're all just dumped in this one area in this forest in Yorkshire. They were found by some hikers. And what happened was, so there were mannequins. So you've got authorities quashing any idea that it could be something nefarious, and the press fell for it. And the, the story was published in the press that a series of mannequins were found in a forest. You know, not dead humans. So it's an example of how the, the West is quite uh, good at coming up with false narratives to fool people. How many? How many bodies did they find? I think it was at least four. And over they had a period the same... of weeks. But none of the bodies were from, yeah, mutilation injury. Yeah, I think they were found with no hair, and I think actually I think they were skinned as well. But they, none of the people that were found were from that area. And then, when you say from that area, do you mean from Yorkshire, or so, from I mean, England, or? So they weren't. They weren't from the Yorkshire area. They could have been from another county. They could have been from the south coast. They might have been from Scotland. They they weren't local to that area. Any particular ages or demographics that are typically like do they tend to be young childbearing that's a good question demographs i think most examples on my website are sort of 17 to sort of 30s mm -hmm. which is logical you'd expect if you want to take parts from humans you would want them to be healthy i, I haven't right. come across any elderly people actually there's one case of one elderly person whose face was found peeled in her house I've got the actual photos there. That was in South America. Yeah, but the generally... Face peelers, that, that's like a whole thing in it, South America. Yeah, that, that's kind of... Yeah, that's like the in thing at the moment, the face peelers. I've got some examples uh, on the websites. I mean, there's that the video on there of the guy being pulled from near the river. The knee jerk is to say it was piranhas, but if that was the case, you'd have to have suspended him upside down so his head and neck were in the water, presumably for that to occur. It's like the, the 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 jetpack miners idea for what's going on at the moment in Peru with the face peelers. You know, they think it's miners with yeah, jetpacks I, flying I, around. Here's again, without having delved extensively in, into that whole case, and it could be wrong, but if you notice that after Grush has testified, there have been like three things that immediately have come out following it. You had this MH370 like footage, yeah. right? Which is yeah. clearly a fraud. Then you had the mm. Nevada nine foot tall alien report, 
right? Mm -hmm. Which, in my opinion, is likely a fraud. And then what's going on in Peru right now, which seems to me it, it could be real, but I also think there's a probability, a high probability that it's also some sort of a fraud. And the reason I say this is when you have allegations that someone like Rush, who's highly credentialed in the intelligence community, comes out with, there's kind of three things you can do. Deny, right, which they've done. Obfuscate, which by leaking some of these stories and leaking false things, you can use that to discredit people. Like, oh, you believe that? Well, guess what? It was BS, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third is, you know, mm -hmm. counter-accuse, which is Mm -hmm. probably close to the stories you've seen about Grush that he had PTSD and which kind of blew up in their faces because it just got every veteran in this country pissed off. But mm -hmm. anyway, I'm not saying those three incidents are that, but the timing is curious, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to steer. So I think you've talked about the Kolaris incident too, as one of the. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, 1977, we had the issue in Kalaris where initially fishermen were seeing UFOs coming off the coastline. Then um, sometime later, they started zapping the locals with a pencil beam of light. A lot of people were injured. I think there were about one or two fatalities. I think the head of the army had some sort of close encounter with a grey light entity as well that spoke to him telepathically. I got an interview with him on my website. I can't remember the, the individual's name. But yeah, this was a mass site that went on for about, I think, eight months. I think the Americans became interested as well, and they flew some personnel over to investigate. And the Brazilian Air Force took several thousand photos and lots of video film. Only, only a fraction has ever been released. I think the Brazilian UFO societies have been trying to get the Brazilian government to be more open. I think, you know, They've probably made more comments on the subject than maybe a lot of other governments have, you know, like the UK, for example, who will just say it's of no defence interest. What's the next question? But I think, yeah, the South American governments are probably a little bit more open than some of the other governments are. But, yeah, they're sitting on a lot of material. But I, I do wonder whether the Americans have a lot of influence in the policies of other governments. There could be a few back. The hundred million pounds or dollars or whatever, you know. So there, there could be a, a lot of persuasive control going on in the background on behalf of the American government with other governments mm -hmm. around the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's perfectly logical, especially if you think you can derive some of the technological secrets from the devices that crash and things like that. Even and mm -hmm. living entities too, you could probably have intelligence value, right? Yeah. Because you can interrogate them and however they communicate, et cetera. So I would think there would be a big interest, i.e. bigger than the, the Manhattan Project, of gathering these devices, crash retrievals and things like that, bringing them back in reverse mm -hmm. engineering, which is one of the reasons why this hasn't come out. They don't want people knowing that, you know, if you do a few mm -hmm. more archaeological digs, you might find something, you know, that crashed here two million years ago, mm -hmm. right? Like, who, who knows? But yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the reasons for secrecy. I think one of the problems the American government's got is it's so compartmentalized, which means you have so, so few personnel looking at the craft. You don't then have a big pool of brain power to solve the problems. You might just literally have a handful of physicists trying mm -hmm. to suss something out. Whereas if you had a thousand physicists, you might make more progress. Well, not only that, it's not 
part of the problem is there's only physicists looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole consciousness component to all this, mm -hmm. right? In terms of piloting craft, if you, if you believe some of the stories, which are relatively frequent. So a lot of the encounters that people have, there's often a non-physical component. So if you yeah. have people who are grounded in materialist science, scientific principles, they're just not looking at all the possibilities. They're not going to be open yeah. to some things that on their face seem crazy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even in like the early reports in the 1950s, there's mention of psychic phenomena and things like that that mm -hmm. are associated with these sightings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but now part of it too, though, is the more you open it, the more your research gets out to the Russians and the Chinese, which I mm -hmm. think is a valid concern yeah. in the U.S. government. Yeah. But I, I think there's also an element that we might be dealing with technology from a civilization that's a million years old, mm. right? And, you know, it's like giving an iPhone to a caveman, right? Yeah. Like, a, you know, a, a Neanderthal. They're mm. just, no matter how many times they keep crashing against the wall, they're not going to figure mm. it out. So there might yeah. be some element of that. Yeah. You can imagine the guys going on board, look, where's the joystick? There isn't one, you know, it's <laughs> hands and brain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no I mean, we get, we have, and we have the technology today, right? Where I can be the only person who can fly that craft based on my retinal scan and my, my thumbprint. So no matter what they do, they might not be able to get these things to fly, but I, you know, who knows? Yeah. You would think if they've been gifted in some way that there's probably precautions whereby, you know, the humans never fully understand how they work, the modus operandi. Or if they know how they work, they may not be able to fly them due to the fact it's consciousness-based. And and that's raised another question. If they've been gifted this stuff, why have they been gifted it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like You can imagine, like, if you were trying to take over a planet and you want to map out the network of people who know all about you, you gift them with something. Yeah, if you gift someone something, you potentially put them in a position of vulnerability because they'll do almost anything to get more or work out or learn how it works. If I give you a car and I hold the car keys, you'll do almost anything for me to give you the car keys. You know, you put them in that position. Yes, I want more. They probably know that humans will want to use it for defense and military and gives them a good idea of what direction will humans take this technology. Are they going to use it for altruistic purposes or are they going to go down the military route? Oh, surprise, surprise. Military yeah, but route. imagine if if one of these again, and I'm just using conventional terms. They're probably way beyond us with with this. But imagine if the technology has a metal that has living nanobots, mm. right? And anybody who touches it or is within fifty feet of it is infected with a nanobot. And all the nanobot does is it just implants itself and spreads to everybody you know, and they can easily in real time track. Everybody that has any inclination, you know, inclination mm. about whatever species this is, and you have almost perfect intelligence about what's going on, could also be the installation of future infrastructure, right, mm. for what's to come. And again, I'm not saying it's any of this stuff. I'm just mm. speculating. But and that also might be why the intelligence community is so re reticent to share. They might have been told certain things, but you know, if they were lied to. And this stuff starts to change. They have to be cautious about what some of the possibilities are. This is one thing I've 
this is one thing I always said about aliens. If you met an alien, how do you know it's telling you the truth? If it says, I'm from this star system or, you know, I'm here for this reason, you don't necessarily know they're telling the truth. All you know is they exist. You don't really know anything more than that in terms of you've got no way of of quantifying what they're telling you is truth. So that's the dilemma. I'm always wary of anyone that says the blondes are from Orion and the from this system and the the ones these ones are you know wear this size shoe and these ones eat this. Yeah, Zena Reticuli. When you get get to that sort of level, I I switch off. You're not going to know all that. There might be someone who knows some of that, but yeah, the stuff that's out in the public domains and some of it is deliberate disinformation. Yeah. Right. So you just kind of have to be careful of, of what you're looking at. I was going to say, I think aliens have, have demonstrated constantly the ability to disinform. Like they'll have one abductee and said there's going to be an asteroid next year hit Earth. Another one will say there's going to be a pole shift. Another one will say there's going to be a tsunami. And none of them ever happen. They're great at making these predictions that never come true. And they all conflict with each other. They've demonstrated that for decades and decades. There is one guy, though, who gets this sort of information and it comes true, and that's that's Chris Bledsoe. Okay. Have you, have you followed that story? Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen the Bledsoe story. So what predictions has he made that have come true? I'm not aware uh, of. There was a Baja earthquake. He got the earthquake mm. right. He got the date roughly right. It was like plus or minus a day, and he got mm. the magnitude right. And uh, when he did that, the U.S. intelligence community showed up at his doorstep and then kind of sequestered him. For a while, he prevented a Pope assassination plot in Philadelphia. These beings told him that someone was trying to come after the Pope. So because he had been working with the intelligence community, it made its way into the Secret Service. So they curtailed the Pope's visit to like one location and they got him out of there and they subsequently picked up someone on Ben Franklin Bridge that was trying to do exactly that. So... At least those are two predictions that I know of. He, he also saw coronavirus coming. He was just kind of just told, don't go out, stay at home, something's coming. And that was, I think, in April of 2019, something like that. So he's, he's been getting these things, but he was put on lockdown as soon as the CIA, DIA, Department of Homeland Security found out about him. And the FBI tried to deliberately discredit him, make him look like a fool on this Discovery Channel show. So I think he's probably under the influence of, I'm not even sure if they're ETs. I mean, they could be some sort of plasma beings, light beings that are endemic on this planet. I don't know. I have no idea. But he would claim they're angelic light being types. But Regardless of what he says, the intelligence community took notice. NASA was showing up, and they locked him down for about 15 years. So any other things with this human mutilation? So why do you think they're doing this? The same reasons Uh, as the animal mutilations, or is there another? Yeah, I think it's all ultimately connected. I think it's due with the hybrid program. I think they might be able to make medicines. As I think they're physical beings. All physical beings need to be consumed with their survival. There's this idea that some body parts are traded elsewhere as well we're a planet full of resources so that could be a bit of trade going on with some of these animal and human body parts so probably a mixture of reasons really all right now i want to tell you something that one of my listeners told me about and i'll try to give full context so this individual went to a conference in manchester england i don't know how recent it was but 
Whitley Strieber was presenting and mm. Richard Doty was presenting. So you could probably independently figure out which mm. conference it is by the, with those three data points. Yeah. I just don't know offhand. After Richard Doty's presentation, Richard Doty had made some pronouncement that there was some really dark stuff that the U.S. government just didn't want people to know about. Now, I say this, and most of the audience will know this with full confidence, that Richard Doty is a known disinformation agent. And this is, he made these statements long after he was retired. So whether or not he's still associated with the intelligence community, he's certainly not active. He's in retirement. That doesn't mean he's still not doing contracts and things like that. So bottom line is take this with a grain of salt. So what he had told this person who went up to him and asked him, well, what kind of dark stuff are you talking about? And he said that there were, I don't know if it was one or more, but entire villages that had 200 to 300 mutilations, human beings. And what the government, DOD, NATO, I don't know who, and I don't know where, had to cover it up to prevent a panic. I asked this individual, how is this possible? Was this in like the US or UK? And he said he didn't think so. It was likely in a place where it could easily be hidden. So it it could be Africa, it could be South America, it could be indonesia who knows now again this is richard doty we're talking about so it could be complete bs but given some of the stuff that you've seen and you've researched it's a possibility yeah who knows i mean it could well be true but it's one of those things that wouldn't get reported so you know oh absolutely not yeah yeah. Doty's an interesting character. He seems to have come out the woodwork the last few years and goes on the speaker circuit, whereas for years he seemed to be uh, a sermon non grata, but all of a sudden he seems to be spotlight. Why do you think that is? That's a, that's actually a good observation. In my, I don't know, mate. Maybe he likes having his 50 minutes of fame. He likes, he, he's obviously a good orator. I've heard he's quite engaging to listen to. Maybe he just enjoys having people listening to him. Maybe it could be something as simple as that. He might be you know, retired. He might have a lot of time on his hands. I get an all expenses paid trip to Manchester. Get to see the rain. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get to see some industrial equipment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take home some widgets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Anything else to add? On, well, we didn't even get into disappearances, right? Yeah, so yeah. anything else to add on this kind of dark, um, dark topic? Mutilations. I find it very difficult to get more examples. I have to say that the, I've got a few face But, but that's good. But, that's that's yeah, good news. I mean, we, we, can, we can take that as, a, as the positive <laughs> yeah. aspect of this story. Yeah. You, well, either that or they're really good at hiding them. But I uh, mean, people say naturally or you know animal mutilations are much more complex than the human but then tying in with the missing people are those people that are taken and never returned are they being mutilated so it might just be a case of we're not seeing the bodies mutilated because they're somewhere else but there might actually be as many mutilations maybe as there are animal ones well do you think there's anything else that's happening with these disappearances 
Well, I think you can categorise abductions and disappearances into several categories. You've got your, your typical abductee who's taken throughout their life and reproductive mm. materials taken. You've got people that are taken on board, mutilated, and they're dumped on the ground, as I show on my website on the humiliations. Then you've got people, we touch on David Polides now, who, who were taken and are literally never seen again anywhere. They literally vanish. It might be in that last category, some are kept held captive. Maybe they're acting as a sort of a conduit with um, hybrids and the aliens. This is idea of hybrids being conditioned and they use humans as a sort of a go-between to educate them about certain human qualities and experiences sort of thing. So that it could be some element of brainwashing takes place and they're held alive, but in a sort of a controlled manner. Or it, or it could be, you know, some of them are mutilated, but they're not dumped back on the ground. They're just the whole of their being is taken away. Do you think there's uh, any po positive reasons for disappearances? Not that I can think of, no. I don't think I want to disappear against my will, <laughs> particularly. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I know of one story where it could have been, there's several, but there's one that of an almost disappearance. And that was, are you familiar with who Lynn Buchanan is? I've heard of the name. The name sounds so, familiar. Have you ever seen the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats? I haven't seen it now. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's about the American remote viewing program, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's almost... If I had to guess, I would say it's one big disinformation film by the intelligence mm. community to make it look ridiculous. Yeah. But he was a remote viewer, and he had an abduction experience. Mm. And he claims that you know, they kind of let him because he kind of woke up out of this fugue that everybody else who was abducted, they abducted a large number of people. They were all in this fugue, but he was able to somehow break out of it and it freaked them out, right? It freaked mm -hmm. out whoever the entities were that abducted mm -hmm. him. But he was in a craft and he kind of just, he had really amazing presence of mind. He asked, can I try to fly it? So they showed him how to fly it. Mm -hmm. And they had stopped some location and he didn't remember this. He actually had to go. It came out in hypnotic regression because there's a number of ways he tried to triangulate this. So he had, he had a faulty memory, which is repressed. I don't want to get too long into the story, but I interviewed him about this. But it was repressed. There was something that like he said one day and it reminded him and he suddenly had all these memories. He also had his remote viewing colleagues without telling them what happened. He just gave them the coordinates and they all reported the same thing that he experienced mm. to some degree. And then with that, he went to a hypnotherapist, didn't tell with the hypnotherapist what he was trying to find out. But he learned in that session that he was offered a job as a pilot. The hypnotherapist had no idea he was talking about ETs or non-human mm. intelligences. That's what came out. Mm. So if he had accepted that role, he, you know, he actually he did accept it. And he said, great, when do I bring my family up? And mm. they're like, you can't. Mm. You're just gone. So mm. there may be some subset like that. It's probably pretty rare. And that's mm. if you believe that story, right? Mm. Again, I, th I, I put my sort of suspicious hat on. I think it's very easy for aliens to create certain situations. So then these people go away and report a positive experience. I mean, a crude example Say you had a, you've had a bad back for 30 years and they take you on board and they cure you bad back. You know, you've got run off to all the podcasts are saying they've cured me of my bad back. The aliens are positive. I think it's very easy for them to create certain scenarios 
you know, they might select people who are quite mentally flexible and easily led, if you like, but the sort of narrative that the aliens are trying to put across. But that, that's been me and my suspicious hat on. You know, having, having looked at channeling for a number of years and seen all the inconsistencies between them and the contradictions, the world of alien communication, I think, is a big confused soup of, you know, con- of contradictions time and time again. And it's very difficult to work out what's going on from the point of view. Well, for, that is that is for damn sure, my friend. The more you delve into this topic, yeah. the more confusing it gets. And I think the people who kind of settle on a narrative and just don't move from the narrative, those are the people who are going to be wrong, right? Because I think there's certainly yeah. something going on, but I think it's far more complex than people possibly realize. And I also don't think it's one monolithic group of beings, right? I think there's probably multiple types of beings of multiple types of technological. I would agree with that, yeah. So, like multiple be. types of technological. Because yeah. everybody says if they fly a million years, like a billion years away, and they like, why are they always crashing here? Well, there might be some that aren't as mm-hmm. technologically mm-hmm. advanced. They could be prisoners who mm. escaped from somewhere and don't really know how to fly the craft right there could be a billion different explanations for mm. some of these things and people yeah. just aren't you know yeah. they just have their like one little you know if they're so smart why do they keep crashing well if mm. you were trying to flee the police and you got on a yeah. cessna aircraft i bet you you could figure out how to take off but i guarantee you you won't know how to land right mm. so you know who knows yeah I was just going to Go say, ahead. someone came up with the analogy, if we took an F-16 back 400 years, people would marvel at the technology. Think, well, what, why do they crash? What F-16s do crash? You know, relative to the technology of that day, it does look incredibly advanced, but they still crash. So, yeah, just, we'll use that analogy. Well, and then here's another thing. Like, let's say you're bending space-time, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that you're probably in the air on a relativistic basis far longer than we see on the ground so let's say you know i might be observing you for 20 seconds but it might be a day for you on that craft and Mm. there might be a lot of craft up there that we just don't see right we might see them in infrared and things like that but just the sheer volume if you have a trillion sorties to planet earth in one year if you just have one percent of those things that's a lot of crashes if you have point one if you have point oh one percent you know you quickly do the math that's a lot of crashes. So anyway, there are a lot of reasons that, you know, they could be off. Okay. Anything else to add on either disappearances or the human mutilation piece? Just briefly, what some of the things David Polides has noticed with missing 411 cases is that we touched on people being taken and never being returned. But then there are cases where people disappear an area gets searched and the body reappears in that area that has previously been searched. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no significant trail. So I, I find that that's quite an intriguing aspect. Is is if the person's been taken upwards, so there's no there's no sniff trail to follow, and then they're dumped back right. down. And they're also they be they're also in groups sometimes, and somebody yeah. will look back. They're there, and they'll look back a minute later, and they're gone. That's mad. Yeah, as you as you say, they're not necessarily a sole hiker. It could they could be in a group. It's a spooky world out there. <laughs> but but again, like you can come up with a 
an explanation for that. If you're in a craft where mm -hmm. time is passing much slower for you relative to us, mm -hmm. you know, you just mm -hmm. extend that field beneath the craft mm -hmm. and you can take your time abducting that person. You might even have a struggle, but on a relative basis, uh, yeah. the people around you would have no idea. I do wonder if some of these cryptid sightings are actually created by aliens like Bigfoot and so forth to sort of throw people off the scent. So rather than people mm -hmm. thinking it's aliens doing it, there's some sort of mythical being that's doing it. Because often Bigfoots are associated with UFOs. So I wonder if that's a sort of an alien red herring that they're creating there to try and you know throw people off track a bit. Just, just my theory. And the other thing, too, that people always say that if they were so powerful, why don't, you know, or if they were harmful, we would already be taken over by now. Mm. Well, the same argument goes to these vast distances, right? You're not going to be able to bring a vast number of craft, these interstellar distances at scale mm. in order to take over a world. And plus, it's far more efficient to just corrupt the ruling class and get them to do what you want without having a fight and destroying the the prize right they might have a sophisticated clandestine way of taking over a planet rather than it being over with weaponry it might be long term and it might be behind the scenes using the strategy that i mentioned earlier about creating hybrids and if you wanted to do it to take it fully intact you would do it with the bioweapon. You wouldn't need yeah. to. Now, the fact that they haven't done it with a bioweapon, if they're you know trying to take the prize, is that we are considered part of that prize, yeah. to your point. Yeah, I agree. All right, my friend, I think this is a, a good natural time to end the episode. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about at a high level, at a cosmic level, what the heck is going on? And you're going to present a theory. Whether or not it's true, I, neither, neither of us will ever know until maybe after we're dead. But you're going to present a theory on what the heck is going on, where it came from, and, and why you think that might be the most compelling argument that you've seen. So I appreciate you, Matt. It was always a pleasure. Okay. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like, subscribe, and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new.